one of the most important disciplines that we have found for helping men and women in their journey of becoming more like God is the discipline of listening prayer, of, of learning to hear and discern the voice of Jesus for ourselves. And so as we begin on this teaching, let's, let's uh, pray together. Father, your word called into existence the heavens and the earth. Your word called each one of us into being. And your word became flesh and dwelt among us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and fill our hearts with your presence. Breathe your life into us and awaken all the parts of our souls that have become dead or atrophied by sin and brokenness. Revive our hearts to rise to the occasion of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for all those here who hunger and thirst for your presence. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would speak and that your word would bring new life and transform us into men and women who more easily reveal the splendid and glorious love of God to a broken and darkened world. Teach us to hear and respond to your life-giving words through the Holy Spirit. Plant your word in our hearts now that it may grow to produce a harvest of life and goodness in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listening for the voice of God is really, really hard. And we often don't hear God accurately. I was reminded of this when I was teaching my four-year-old son last summer. Uh, I have always experienced that it's, it's rather easy to teach children to listen to God. They don't have the same hang-ups that we do as grown-ups. They don't worry about getting it perfect. And uh, they're just more carefree and willing to try listening to God. It's so refreshing. But I had a hiccup this summer teaching Xander how to listen to Jesus. I took my kids to a children's movie in the movie theater last summer. And uh, Xander, at the age of four, was so enthralled, he continued through the movie to ask me questions in a loud whisper. (laughs) Daddy, is that a bad guy? Um, Yes, son, that's a bad guy. Um, And as he tried to process uh, the exciting, riveting images and dialogue, uh, this older couple without children sitting in front of us kept turning around and looking at us as he would whisper. And the theater was filled with families and children. Uh, but the more she glanced back at us, the more annoyed she looked. And uh, I have not yet gone to the movie theater with my children where we have not made four or five bathroom trips. And so we're up and down several times going to the bathroom uh, to... Uh, at the, the, the tender age of learning to use the potty, you have to get there quickly. And they don't give you much lead time. So uh, I'm sure that uh, our presence in the theater was slightly disruptive to this couple where the wife kept glancing back. And the movie ends, and as everyone rises, the couple in front of us, the woman turns around and says to me, you must be so ashamed to bring a child who does not know how to behave into a movie theater. 
How dare you? What do you say? I, I apologized. I'm so sorry that we disrupted or ruined your movie experience. It is a children's movie. Um, and we left. But I saw the look on my son's face. Total crumble. He knew exactly why the woman was mad and, and that he was the cause of it. He is my most tender child. And he, it, I mean, it ruined him for at least six hours that day. Lots of tears, lots of reassuring. And to help him process it, I asked him, you know, son, let's, let's listen to the Lord about how we can respond or even pray for that poor woman uh, whose day was ruined. Um, and let's just listen to what the Lord would say about it. And he would quiet himself. We've done this a number of times. And, uh, and he said, I know what Jesus wants us to do. And I said, really, what did Jesus say to you? He said, Jesus said, we have to kill that woman. (laughs) Epic fail. (laughs) Listening prayer is not easy. And many Christians struggle with it. But we can receive so much good. If we can persevere in this absolutely essential discipline, the words that Jesus speaks can have a a completely transforming impact on our lives. Uh, I became a Christian at the age of 14, and no one taught me in uh, the church I was attending that God can actually speak to us. Um, I was a part of a Baptist church, so uh, God really only speaks through the word of scriptures and, um, and there wasn't much listening for that still small voice. And then when I got to college and, some, and I started attending this church, some folks were teaching on how to hear that still small voice. As you walk out the healing journey that God has placed before you, that journey of maturing in the Lord, as you seek to grow in that maturity, you cannot heal or grow without listening to God. Jesus, in Matthew 4, 4, quotes Deuteronomy 8, 3. And he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So how does God speak to us? First and foremost, the special revelation of the Holy Scriptures and of Jesus Christ is God speaking to all humanity. Therefore, the primary way that we hear God speak clearly is through the Holy Scripture and the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus is the word of God made flesh, who reveals himself to those who respond to his voice. The church fathers throughout the history of the church have consistently agreed about the authority of Holy Scripture and the revelation of God through the person of Jesus Christ. The still small voice is an important way that we hear God speaking to us individually. Dallas Willard says in his book, Hearing God which is available at the book table. He says this quote, The still small voice, or the interior or inner voice, as it is also called, is the preferred and most valuable form of individualized communication for God's purposes. Finding the still small voice begins with being still. I personally have great difficulty quieting myself before the Lord to hear his voice. 
And I was really helped by reading Henry Nouwen's book, The Way of the Heart. It's a small book, also available at the book table. You might hear that a lot, actually, during this teaching, at the book table. Um, And in The Way of the Heart, Henry Nouwen says that when we quiet our hearts, our mind is like a monkey jumping up and down around a banana tree. I so resonate with that, particularly as I see it expressed in my children. Um, Henry Nouwen says that the emotions that we have not tended to will rise up when we quiet ourselves. And this is enough of a deterrent for most people to abandon the quiet place. It is hard in our day, in our time, in our culture to get to the quiet place. But there are many benefits uh, to getting to that quiet place and waiting for the Lord to speak. And then writing down what he says. There are many benefits to hearing his voice, but for this talk, I'm going to focus on just three benefits. Number one, listening to God grows us toward stability. St. Benedict made his postulants take a vow of stability. This was a vow to stay in the same place, the same geographic location for decades, not years decades. Benedict believed that before a person could grow, they needed relationships and community where they are truly known and where they truly know others. You have to have shared history, shared life, so that those who love you and know you well can speak words of life and correction and grace into your life. And isn't this something we all crave, this level of of knowing and being known. I've lived my whole life uh, up until the age of 18, moving from city to city as a military brat. And that led me to a place at the age of 14 of being so lonely, so disconnected. I actually thought as we were driving from one home to the next state and new home, I don't have any friends. No one is going to write me. No one is going to notice that I'm not living in Tennessee anymore. And I was so lonely that I actually began to wonder, is this really all there is? Is this all that life has to offer? I realized that I had no meaningful friendships in my life. And that actually led me to respond to Christ's invitation to become a Christian. Because God does not want us to be alone or to be isolated. And that is precisely how many people feel in this culture, isolated and alone. After moving around so much, I cannot tell you how much as a 22-year-old I craved stability at the end of college. I craved being in one place, not moving yet again and being new yet again. I didn't, I don't even like living in Chicago, friends, but now I've been in one place, one church for 17 years where I have long-term deep friendships that led me forward in God. I remember hitting a point at like seven years in Chicago thinking, I've never had a seven-year friendship before. This is amazing and uncomfortable at times. People actually know me. They actually remember what I was like. And how embarrassing is that? (laughs) All that to say, listening to God will inevitably lead us towards greater stability. He wants us to be stable to be in the same place, the same community, the same church, 
so that people can speak into our lives. Sometimes all God is doing in your life is getting you to spend time with people so that you will be ready to hear a loving word from them three years later. They will have built up enough trust with you that you'll be ready to receive that correcting, life-giving word in a few years. Yes, God does occasionally speak a word to us to go, to plant, to move, but only for us to deeply root ourselves in a stable community life somewhere. A few are called to be apostolic missionaries like the Apostle Paul, but the rest of us are called to long-term stability. So when you listen to God, listen for those instructions and words of correction that lead you into community. Beware of the American spirit of the age that we call wanderlust. It's an ungodly urge for adventures, exploring the world alone, or the excitement of traveling, or of your own sinful urge to leave the awkward and uncomfortable aspects of living in community. Living in community is not always glamorous, but it can be life-giving. The second benefit I want to mention is listening to God anchors us to what is objectively real. Let's be honest, sometimes we are so influenced by our own lives that we completely lose touch with what's going on in the world. We are inherently narcissistic. Listening to God anchors us to what is objectively real, the, the one who is above all and who truly knows the human heart. We are self-deceptive by nature, the Bible says. Our hearts deceive us. In listening to the true and objective words of God, our internal lies are revealed and corrected. For those of us who are rarely affirmed, our deprivations are healed when we listen to God's voice and hear him affirming us in the way that we always longed to but never heard from someone that we loved. From growing up, we have all these internal voices, the internalized voice of mom or dad, the voices of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Only in listening prayer can we sort through all of these voices, all of the clamor, to find God's true and objective word. God corrects our irrational thinking, our self-deception, and our narcissism. And then thirdly, listening to God helps you become the man or the woman that he created you to be. We'll talk more about this tonight, but for now, it's important to know that dialoguing with God calls forth our true selves, the real I, leaving behind everything about me that is false. I become in this dialogue with God. Your true self emerges out of the husk of your insecurities, your sinful urges and desires, out of your ego and pride out of your self-centered and introspective self. Neither time nor experience form your true self and help you become. It is false to assume that as you grow older, you become more of who you are. It is false to assume that as you become older, you become more mature. We've all met extremely immature grown-ups in our lives. It's, it happens only in listening to God that we mature and grow, and only in hearing his voice. 
God tells me who I am. He tells me what kind of a father I am. He allays my fears when I get too anxious that I'm becoming too much like my father when I parent my children. He corrects me when I get too focused on being the center of attention. He guides me when I lose focus and get my priorities out of whack. But ultimately, he names me. He says the things I always wished my dad would have said but never did. He gives me pictures of my deepest desires being fulfilled. He's more gracious and understanding than any man I've ever met. And he's always ready to speak when I quiet my heart and ask him to speak. So a quick summary of those three benefits. First, listening to God leads us towards greater stability. Second, listening prayer anchors us to the objective real. And thirdly, it grows you into becoming the man or woman that God created you to be. So how do we grow in listening prayer? Because God speaks to us and we're broken by sin, we frequently mishear God. There are a few boundaries to be placed around this spiritual discipline. Number one, listening prayer should always begin in a private and safe journal, not a blog. It needs to happen where you can write down what you think God is speaking to you without a whole lot of public feedback. You grow in listening when you can revisit what you've written three weeks later or a month later or years later. And you can say, wow, that was not the voice of the Lord. That was my own wish fulfillment. And as you look back and, and evaluate what has happened, what you have heard, how circumstances have changed, you begin to see and experience the different voices coming out and identify that is my own selfish heart, not the voice of the Lord. That was the voice of the Lord. Number two, be careful when you share. Listening prayer is for you to connect with God. Therefore, we always propose what we hear. We never impose what we hear. We share what we hear like this. I think God might be saying this to me. What do you think? Too much damage has been done in the church by those who mishear God and then speak it over others. God told me to tell you. God told me that you're struggling with. God told me that you're going to conceive and have a child. Lots of mistakes and hurt has been done by these misheard and then misspoken imposed words on others. It's important to compare what you hear to scripture and then to share what you hear with other mature Christians so that they can give you feedback. Number three, give yourself permission to mishear God. Don't be a perfectionist or you will struggle to hear anything. Give yourself permission to hear things incorrectly or to let your selfish heart rise up and speak and write it down. It's safe in the journal. And then you can grow as you evaluate which words are from the Lord and which ones are not. G.K. Chesterton said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly, which is the exact opposite of what my dad taught me growing up. And I was so relieved to hear that G.K. Chesterton said this because it is so hard 
to get it right the first time. It's so hard to write the perfect 25-page research paper in the first draft. But you've got to start out doing it poorly and then keep doing it until it gets better and better. And then you have a really good draft, final draft, of a book or a paper or uh, an experience of hearing from the Lord. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Otherwise, you just give up. And you don't try anymore. And then last, number four, listening prayer does not have the authority that scripture has. And it doesn't even have the authority that tradition handed down to us has. So please do not confuse the words of God with the word of God. Scripture and the great tradition, what the church has always agreed upon, these two always trump what you might hear in listening prayer in the still small voice that you might hear. It's good to develop a routine around listening prayer. One way to develop or grow in listening prayer is to use Lectio Divina, the ancient practice of praying the Holy Scriptures for the sure purpose of hearing God. You should have in your registration packets on one side the teaching on Lectio Divina. And then at the back of that stapled packet is an exercise sheet that you can Xerox and you can use multiple times. And that exercise sheet is for you to explore Lectio Divina further. It is an ancient practice uh, grounded in tradition that can be a helpful way, not the only way, of growing and listening prayer. Regardless as to what kind of routine you develop, it's important to read and meditate on Holy Scripture to respond to the Holy Scriptures in prayers like the prayer that Jesus taught us and to listen for the still small voice of God. He often speaks through Scripture and our response to Scripture before we even get to quieting our hearts and waiting for his still small voice. I just want to briefly mention the true Christian imagination that Val will be teaching more extensively on Saturday for all of us. But for this teaching, I want to mention how valuable and necessary the Christian imagination is for listening to God. Val will tell you on Saturday that God gave us our imaginations for the purpose of seeing the unseen real, not for seeing what is not real, like most of us may have learned growing up. So we use our imaginations to put ourselves in the presence of God. Brother Lawrence describes this as a spiritual discipline called Practicing the Presence of God, also available at the book table. He urges us to do this as often as we can, and that it can be done anywhere and while doing anything, particularly as Catherine mentioned in the same vein as Brother Lawrence, while doing the dishes. It's that capacity that we have to take a story from Scripture or a piece of art and to put ourselves with our imaginations in the presence of of the Lord, kneeling at the foot of the cross on Calvary, or sitting with Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, or sitting on the mount when he is sharing with the world the sermon on the mount. To listen to God in prayer is to look up to him with the intuitive thinking organ the Bible calls the heart. So I want to talk about the intuition for a moment. The intuitive heart. 
Through the eyes and the ears of the heart, we see and we hear God. The scriptures graciously invite us to look up and see the invisible, the unseen real. The intuition is the soul's capacity to take into us the nature of another. It's that ability to empathize with another who's in pain. We can actually feel pain. We can feel hurt because someone that we love is in pain and feels hurt. We're taking their nature into us and empathizing. Similarly, an angry person in a crowd shouting out profanities and vile anger can cause us to feel angry. We take in their nature. We know them by our union with them through the intuition. Some call this sensitivity. That person is so sensitive. Everything I say affects them deeply and emotionally. I like to think of it as a really tender heart, a really open and tender heart, like Xander, my four-year-old, last summer had. An intuition that has no healthy boundaries leads to codependency. You can't stop feeling what other people are feeling, even to the point of not knowing where your feelings end and where another person's feelings begin. No healthy boundaries. But a healthy intuition gives us an, incre- an incredible com- a capacity for compassion, a capacity to love others. A healthy intuition allows us to imagine ourselves in the other person's shoes so that we can feel what they feel and imagine what their suffering must be like. The intuition allows us to receive into us the presence of God. If you've ever asked Jesus to come and live inside your heart, you have engaged your intuition. By receiving the nature of Jesus inside of us, by inviting him in and beginning to feel what Jesus feels. If you've ever said, I love that person in such a remarkable way, I know that it's not my love, but it must be God's love flowing through me, then you have engaged your intuitive heart. Because we do love people with the love of God, not our own capacity for love. Listening prayer requires that we engage the intuitive heart to receive words into us, to receive impressions from the Holy Spirit, feelings that come from the Lord. So there are a few hindrances, therefore, to hearing God. There are folks that struggle. And here are a few reasons why uh, you may struggle in hearing the voice of the Lord. And you may want to seek out prayer from a prayer minister at the end of this talk. Some are unable to enter into the freedom of listening prayer. And one of the common reasons for this is the modern split between the head and the heart. C.S. Lewis refers to this malady in his book, The Abolition of Man, as men without chests. Listening to God is difficult and even impossible for some when we are separated from our own hearts. When we have denied a part of our soul as, as being valid. How can I hear God if I deny the very faculty of my soul that was created by God to apprehend God? By this I mean balancing and rightly integrating the intuitive and imaginative faculty that we call the heart with the more objective and rational faculty that we think of as the intellect or the head. Most Christians today suffer from an overvaluing of the rational capacity to think, the head, and undervaluing the intuitive or imaginative faculties 
of the heart. The rational capacity to think is the scientific way of knowing by observing, by studying, and by dissecting. Taking things apart, dissecting them, and breaking them down to their principal parts so that we can know it by studying it. This is valued over the intuitive ways of knowing by joining with, by experiencing, or taking the nature of another within, something else within. The French have two words for the word to know. To know by rational thought and to know by union with. Even the biblical language used the word know when it said Adam knew Eve and they gave birth to a son. Adam did not know Eve by studying her from a distance, but by union with her. So this split between head and heart in most Christians is characterized by an acceptance of their conceptual knowledge about God while denying the primary ways of loving, knowing, and walking with God. This is what Pope John Paul II, the late Pope, meant when he said that for modern people, the sense of God is vanishing from the earth. The two, head and heart, should become integrated so that the rational ways of knowing can give shape to the intuitive ways of knowing because sin has broken us in both capacities. Both faculties are broken. And our ability to truly know is eroded. We see through a glass darkly, the scriptures say, even when both faculties are integrated. As a result of this split between the intuitive and rational knowledge, we live in an age when few committed Christians believe in Christ's real presence with and within us. Those that deny the intuitive ways of knowing can no longer hear God's voice. For some, living in one's head is a defense mechanism from feeling any negative emotions, from pain or loneliness. And in that defense, avoiding feeling, we filter everything that we experience through our brain, strangling anything good from descending into our intuitive hearts. Have you ever begun to feel something in in worship or in art or in theater only to stop and analyze the music or the environment that you're in, strangling out whatever good may come to you? Or have you ever heard a word from God and then stopped to analyze yourself and to criticize yourself only to conclude that it was just your own thoughts? This is the head-heart split operating in your life. The second hindrance that I would mention to hearing God is often found in some charismatic or emotional settings where a person has had this wonderful experience in God's presence. They've had the intuitive experiential knowledge of God's love or his grace or his forgiveness. And that person then is chasing after that experience, hoping to recreate the experience, to recreate the feelings and the emotions they had. This kind of person will determine whether God was present or not based on what they feel, not based on objective truth. This experience orientation does not acknowledge that God is always with us, and it does not seek God alone, but rather an experience of God. This kind of person dilutes practicing God's presence to a merely subjective emotional feeling. Everything that happens for this person is filtered through their heart and emotions. 
if the worship didn't feel moving, then the spirit wasn't really moving, wasn't really there. This experience orientation will often lead to a fear that God may have abandoned you or rejected you or that God refuses to speak to you. You may feel estranged from God even though he is very present to you, even though he is with you and within you. Christians who suffer from this experience orientation are unable to integrate the subjective experience with the objective reality and truth. The solution is to give up striving for an experience and to pray, Lord, if I never know your presence again, if I never make heaven, yet will I serve you. I will obey you the best I can if I never have another emotional experience in my life. The third is what Catherine mentioned last night, and that's the struggle with unbelief. The last common obstacle to hearing from God is this, is this um, super common experience that I have heard from everyone who said that they can't hear God's voice. They all admit to a struggle with unbelief, a failure that God would speak because of a past experience of some kind. I know what it's like personally to have a father who was so uninterested in me that I couldn't believe that God would ever be interested in me. I know that silent or absent fathers make it easier to believe that God does not speak to us. But Jesus said in the scripture that thou read that God does speak to us and that we can hear his voice. So we need to pray, Lord, I confess my lack of, un- my lack of belief. I choose to believe that you do speak to me. Help my unbelief. And then listen and wait and write down what you think he might be saying. Regardless as to the kind of hindrance you have, the first practical place to begin is by acknowledging the presence of Christ within us. I'd like to conclude with a brief opportunity for each one of us to listen to the Lord Jesus. And uh, we've made this microphone available. Uh, If you feel like the Lord says anything to you that you feel comfortable sharing with the rest of us, we do invite you. Um, But let's take a moment and put ourselves in the presence of the Lord using our imaginations. You may want to put a chair between you and your neighbor if that helps you. But take a, a posture that's comfortable for you, that you can, a posture of rest, where we can rest in the presence of the Lord. And I would ask you to use your imagination to put you yourself Uh, with Jesus. You can be sitting with Jesus in one of the stories as the disciples sat with him many times. You can be with Jesus in a solitary place like the garden or a place where you imagine he withdrew to be alone. You could be at the cross where Jesus is there. You could be standing in front of Jesus, looking him in the face. Seeing his eyes, his face looking back at you. And in prayer, ask the Lord Jesus to speak to you. Lord Jesus, would you speak to me?